0: The other is inspirational transformations, where you get this new information, this new idea that inspires you to shift. And so, for me, desperation didn't get me there. I mean, my senior year, you would expect that that's what had done it. Nope. Honestly, for me, it was it was inspiration. It was. Hey everyone,
1: and welcome back to the What the Passion podcast. If you are listening to this podcast right now, it means that you're excited and learning and creating real change. When we started off, our mission was to bring passion back into people's hearts and tell the stories that should be heard. Our commitment to you is to help you find what you're really passionate about so you can live a happier and more fulfilled life on 100% of your true potential. With this being said, guys, let the story begin. We are live. Hey, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of the What The Passion podcast, your favorite new podcast for believers, achievers, and visionaries from all around the globe. In today's episode, I'm unfortunately going to be completely alone in this one because Felix is right now traveling and building his business. So this episode is dedicated from my side, Tim. um, And I actually have a very special guest in our episode today, my good friend, David Roden who um, we know each other now for, I think, like three, four years already. And he has such an inspiring story. So I just thought for myself, hey, I need to bring this guy on our podcast because he literally went from being over 130 kilograms, I think over 200 pounds overweight to transforming his entire life within a couple of years and now pacing the footsteps of the generations to come to show them really what it really means to have a strong and powerful mind. So this is going to be a very juicy episode. I'm really looking forward to it. But before we jump into today's episode, like we do on every single episode, make sure to hit the subscribe button. I don't know where it is. I think up there, somewhere down here. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and become a What The Passion listener. And even better, become part of our What The Passion family on Instagram. Twitter, and hopefully soon YouTube, because we want to bring this thing audio-visual. Furthermore, before we continue, we want to give every single one of you listeners the chance to participate in a 50-year Amazon gift card giveaway. And every month, the four best and most honest reviews will have the chance to win a 50 euro Amazon gift card to their name. At the end of each month, the best reviews and comments will get a shout-out in one of our monthly throwback episodes where we're just going to go over the best clips, the best moments of the month. So tune in and enjoy the ride. David, we always like to start our episodes with a nice quote. So this is the one for you. I am no longer cursed by poverty because I took possession of my own mind and that mind has yielded me every material thing I want and much more that I need. But this power of mind is a universal one available to the humblest, and to the greatest, Andrew Carnegie. So let this quote sink in for a moment, everyone, while I will now finally introduce you to my man, David, because I think you, looking at you right now, you need some good introduction because if people would know you a couple of years back and looking at you now, they wouldn't believe who they're looking at. Okay, so David, by the day, by the age he was 19 years old, he was more than 400 pounds, more than 200 and. 220 kilograms, something like that. Pre-diabetic, suicidal teenager with dangerously high blood pressure who drank 15 to 20 Diet Cokes. Bro, I got to ask you on that one later. (laughs) 15 to 20 Diet Cokes and eat a Costco-sized bag of Reese, peanut butter candies for every European, every day. His entire life changed the moment he discovered the power of his own mind. Jumping forward in time, he's now at the point in his life where he recently attended his first bodybuilding show, lost more than 200 pounds, more than 100 plus kilograms, and released his first book around his incredible transformation journey and is teaching dozens and dozens of people around the entire world how to achieve the same results through his personal transformation program. Meet legend, serial entrepreneur, and for everyone personally, my, one of my biggest inspiration when it comes to personal transformation, David Roden. How are you doing, my man?
0: I am phenomenal. I'm so. <laughs> I'm just so grateful to be here. This
1: is really, this is gonna be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward for this next hour, whatever this, wherever this, this goes fun. for. Man, this is gonna be fun big times. So, and honestly, thank you so much for taking your time because I know you're very busy right now. I know lockdown is happening, but we're gonna get later to your businesses and what you're doing currently. But I g- thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. Um. So my man, honestly, honestly right now, I know that introduction took a little bit of time, but looking at your story so far, I am, I am baffled. Honestly, when I met you a couple of years ago and you told me about your transformational story, I would not believe my ears. I was like, wow, this guy is such an inspiration for so many people out there. But right now for all of the new listeners on this podcast, we want you to get a little bit of context. So David, why don't you take a little bit of time and go through your story and share with the audience who you are and where you're coming from? Hundred percent. So that I think that's so important because the story is
0: what captivates someone into value. Because I think it's so important to know someone's past, know someone's accomplishments before you obviously take their advice, their their opinions on the world. And so, um, to start it off, I'll just tell you about myself. I'm 28 today. I'm from Michigan, um, in the United States, and I grew up in what would society would deem as the perfect upbringing when i mean like uh-huh. the, the the definition because everyone sits here and puts on this this code of resources of or aka lack of resources on the reason why they're not at where they're at meaning they didn't come from an affluent enough family. They didn't come from an intelligent family. They, didn't, um, they don't have the time. They don't have all these different resources of the reasons why they're stuck. And I, I love my story for the fact that I literally had it all. And what I mean by I had it all, um, it's crazy. I, I grew up in a, in a family where <laughs> me at 410 pounds, my dad is an interventional cardiologist. So, he's he's a heart doctor. Wow. And we're talking, I mean, he makes $600,000 a year as a heart doctor. And I was in this position, my my mom's a, was a stay-at-home mom, but before that, she was a nurse, and I grew up in a very successful, supportive family. Like literally, mm-hmm. even on the family dynamic side of things for the most part, I never my parents never argued. I was in this position where when I was a kid, my dad used to put me, like I was like probably eight, 10, 12 years old. My like my dad was sh- like, say, shaving. He'd put me on the, the bathroom sh- uh, sink and he'd say, hey, David, look at yourself. L- look, at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. And that's the dynamic wow. of a support system I had. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is um, with all those resources, with all of that support, you would think I would be set up for the perfect life. And it was just the as farthest as from the case. And so, the, the, <laughs> the sequence that brought me in this position was actually pretty simple, um, given the resources I had. I had a brother at the time, uh, an older brother of mine, who was a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. He had some serious anger issues that he was trying to get through, and so mix that with my dad working. 90 hours a week at the hospital, I was just given this blank check it was basically the mm-hmm. sequence. Cause everyone, everyone always thinks that um, being put in a very tough position, it has to be some emotional big event that happens. Like, uncle does something he shouldn't or some family member, something or whatever. Like this is not, it's not always true. It's not always true. It's usually the small things that add up to a big. Exactly. To some people it is. Some people, yeah, it was, it was a catastrophic event that put them emotionally off in this position. But for me, it wasn't. Um, I was just in this position where I was given my mom's credit card and I could pretty much do what I wanted with it. And my mom had full-time effort with my brother and my dad worked 90 hours a week. So what what does the average kid want from 12 to 18 years old? Food and food, video games. Video games, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> food and video games. That's, 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 just, that's just what I did. I, played, I ate a lot of food and I would go to McDonald's and Taco Bell. And we're talking like McDonald's and Taco Bell. I'm talking like by myself, I would drop $25 to $30 on McDonald's and Taco Bell, which oh, wow, that's a lot of food. That's and a lot of food, man. Exactly. And like, I was drinking 15 to 20 diet Cokes a day to the point where my dad's all about budgets and financials. And, and so I almost talked him into getting a fountain diet Coke machine in our house no.
1: because it was going
0: to save no. us money. Like straight <laughs> oh, up. I was like, I showed dad. I was like, Hey dad, if we do this and we get a fountain diet Coke machine, we're going to save money. And he almost did it. Like he's like, okay. Makes oh sense. wow, that is insane. Man. It's it's fascinating. And so so that that was basically the sequence of events that brought me into that position of 400 plus pounds by the time I was 18, 19 years old, and pre diabetic and everything. Um, and on top of that, I mean, obviously from my dad's perspective, being in the medical industry, he was like, "All right, my dad, my son's 400 pounds. He's all this problem." What's medically wrong with him? What what is the medical issue? And so we dove down that rabbit hole. And I had some brain scans done. I had all that kind of stuff done. And when I was like 16, I had a CAT scan done and I had a cyst, this little tumor-looking thing on my pituitary mm-hmm. gland in the brain. Mm-hmm. And I had my endocrinologist tell me, you know what, David? These may be just the cards you were dealt. Maybe his quote—I I will never forget this quote. He said to me, "We may be able to put you in the Sahara Desert for a year, and you may not lose weight." That's what he said to me at 16 years old. Oh, and wow. so you put that belief system into someone. You're like, "Oh, well, these the cards I'm dealt, and like I just got to live like this." And it's a very dangerous game. I, I use that. I use that as a as a as a as a crutch for years. Even even after, thank God, I I. I Two, three years, the, the cyst just went away. It just went away. I had like a brain scan done every six months to see if it grew or whatever. It just, and actually over like a two, three-year time frame, it disappeared and it was gone. But I used that as a crutch for years as like, well, maybe this is just who I am and I got to blah, blah,
1: blah, blah. We, we, we all do those you, different you dynamics. Dive into the, you dive into the victim mode. is Exactly. You're using that excuse for everything that comes in the
0: future. Exactly. And wow. so... So that, 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 was the position I was in and, and where things get very interesting is like, is the fact that I'm going through all these struggles, but in, in, you, you look at the reality of the life I was in. I mean, I was the most outgoing, like the coolest person everyone wanted to be around in, in, in high school, my high school graduation party. I don't know if those are big in Europe, but we, we do that here. And I had pushing 800 people at my high school graduation hundreds and hundreds of people. Why? Because we had, we had three high schools in my school district. We had 4,000 ki- three, 3,000 kids between the, four, the three high schools. And I was, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be like, I was the most well-known person of the, the entire school district because I was just a funny <laughs> fat guy that everyone loved, everyone knew. And wow. so I had all the support, all the love, all the, everything you could ask for, but in my own mind, I didn't see it. And so my senior year hit, and my my body's failing me. I was going to the chiropractor three days a week because, or th- yeah, three days a week because my back was just in shambles from being four hundred pounds, and I was man, tired all the time because carrying no that weight, weight around weight. sucks. What was that? It's no, it's no easy weight, man. It's no, no. like the, 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 it's no that's what weight. the pains of discipline versus the the pains of dealing with the struggles. Everyone, there, there's gonna be pain involved with anything you do, and. Mm. It's interesting because my, my senior year, my grades started plummeting, my body was plummeting and I got to this point in time, that I got in two dark places my senior year and it's very interesting because I wrote about this in my book that I published and I had my dad read the manuscript and he broke. He When, when he heard about this because no one knew, no one, not my best friends, no one knew. Um, but my senior year when my grades were plummeting and I didn't think I was going to college because they're they're plummeting so much and like thinking about not going to college coming from your uncle's a prestigious lawyer, your dad's a doctor, your mom's a nurse and you're going to go to a community college and you're mm. 400 pounds you're just a failure. Like that that was my position. I just thought of myself as a pure failure and my senior year I almost ended my life twice. And in a custom custom-made shower in a 7000 square foot house with an indoor basketball court with all the love and support around me you could ask for. And I almost ended my life twice. Wow. And so it just it just shows you that your the way you think and the di- and, and how your brain works can either be your greatest asset or your biggest enemy. And mm-hmm. it, it really comes down to that. And it, I'm I'm blessed and I'm grateful I went through that because now I have the ability to teach it on such a different level than just some hoity-toity person that goes, well, you just got to do it. They, they just don't understand. It's like, they don't really they get
1: it. They have not gone through it themselves. That's the Exactly. Thing. And wow. so,
0: and so, yeah, so that, that was the sequence of events. Thank God I never really went through with it. I, I, I transitioned to college. I got into college and I lived that 300 or that 400 pound life for about three more years until my junior year of college when everything changed. And we can kind of go into that more in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know there's some questions coming up that kind of really hit that on the head and I want to go into that. Um, but then from that point, uh, I've now lost over oh, about a three year time frame of Trent, like really diving into weight loss. I lost 190 pounds in three years and then had two excess skin removal surgeries, got into bodybuilding, uh, about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, did competed in my first bodybuilding show last November. And I was on stage at 212 pounds and I was about 8% body fat considering wow. six years earlier, I was 410 pounds and over 60% body fat.
1: <laughs> Bro, that is insane. And honestly, yep. I have my deepest, deepest respect for you. Deepest <laughs> Thank respect. you. How, how old are you right now? I'm 28. I turn 29 next month. <sighs> So it's been already a couple of years mm-hmm. when you're on the success track and it's been already a couple of years where you're actively working on your, on yourself. Like honestly, for all the listeners, I really hope that you're going to see this video as well because looking at the David right now, you would not <laughs> imagine what he just said to be true. You would not imagine it. But I think I think we're actually going to try to uh, upload a picture before after picture of your yes. Instagram as well, if, if you allow us. So 100%. people can really see the transformation that you've been going through. Um, but honestly, my man, I have my biggest and deepest admiration and respect for you, what you have been going through. Because I understand that, you know, having a loving family and having everything materialistically that you could possibly ask for is not the answer for a happy life. No, nope. definitely not. And it's definitely not the answer for, you know, a well-lived life with purpose and fulfillment. If you are, if your life expectancy at the age of 18 has probably dropped to 35. Exactly, 40, yeah, but 35 40. or 40. Wow, so, but I, I wonder right now, I wonder right now, one thing, what was the tipping point for you? What was Mm -hmm. the point? Because a lot of people, I I have been going through like a transformation myself too. Of course, not not even close to what you have gone through. But for me, it was an internal motivator and self-talk of being, okay, man, either you change now or you're a failure. I was beating myself up, you know? Mm -hmm. So my question to you is that change, that big stepping, tipping point, did it occur through an external motivator? Or through an inner changement of thoughts and behavior? What, yes. what was it for you? So this is
0: where um, I was just talking about you earlier this, about, about this. Uh, I believe that they're basically everyone makes change for one of two reasons. Desperation, meaning you're at this point where you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, what is this guy? And you're like, I'm just desperate for change. Or you're, you're a chain cigarette smoker and you get the first diagnosis of cancer. And it's like, you need to stop smoking. You're going to die. It's these Mm -hmm. desperational moments where you're like, you associate more pain in the moment than change. So you force yourself to change that, Mm -hmm. that that's desperational transformation. The other is inspirational transformations where you get this new information, this new idea that inspires you to shift. And so for me, desperation didn't get me there. I mean, my senior Mm -hmm. year, you would expect that that's what I've done it. Mm -hmm. Nope. Honestly, for wow. me, it was it was inspiration. It uh, one of your guests, Mr. Luke Kessler, was a part of that transformation for me, part of that inspiration because hey, I hit man. my junior year of college, and I was in this transition phase. Um, I, ironically, at four hundred and ten pounds, I was in college for pre med, and I would I had my EMT license and all this kind of stuff, and. Yeah.
1: Uh, pretty pretty much for all the European listeners out there, we have no idea what you just talked about. But continue talking. It <laughs> well, pre medicine. So 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 I was I was going I was trying to be a doctor, but and you, then I was a you.
0: what would you call it like a uh, uh, a paramedic, is you, is yeah. it, what, ambulance drivers, whatever whatever the yeah yeah and um, <laughs> and so. I hit this junior year and I'm like, all right, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to drop a quarter million dollars in 10 years of my life to be a doctor? Is that what I want? And I'm a very logical person. And so I looked at my life and I was like, I looked, I was like, okay, I need something to associate it to. So I looked at my dad's life and I'm like, all right, making $600,000 a year is something I can enjoy. That That is a financial number that would be a good place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I looked at the other variables, which was like time and i looked at my dad's life and i was like i just don't want that mm-hmm. my dad worked a, i'm not kidding you when when he's in this peak of his interventional cardiology he would work 100 hours a week mm-hmm. i mean i'm not we, through the weekends and then all the next week 100 hours in a week in the hospital
1: like Man. people
0: people whine about 40 hour work weeks my dad's doing double that in the hospital saving lives and it, it's just it, it and so I looked at that and I was like, that time, I just, I, I wanted more balance than that. And mm-hmm. so I decided medicine wasn't for me. And so um,
1: I was in this transition period and I, I got maybe, connected maybe, to- Maybe a quick point that I want to add to that. Because yes. Because that's, that's super, super important for all, of the, for all of the young listeners out there, people that are just getting into college, that are maybe just getting out of college, people that are just starting, head starting in their career. One question for all of you listeners out there, what do you value more? Time? or money because mm-hmm. this is because over the last couple of years I've been teaching a lot of people around the world financial uh, financial intelligence as well like how to think about money and how what to value more time or money and the question that always comes up with people that are really successful in their job and successful investment fund operators or doctors or lawyers that literally work 80 to 100 hours per week my question to all of you guys is honestly with all of that money out there do you really have time to enjoy it on the things that matter? And if the question is no, then think for yourself twice about it. You know what I mean? Um, Exactly. Respect to everyone out there that follows their passion because this is what it's all about. But at a certain point, there are smarter ways of leveraging your skill sets for still enjoying the time that you're still given on this planet. You know? exactly it's it's breaking down so why do you want this
0: it's like it's yeah. for example, it's like if someone I explain this to people when it comes to making a decision on a career path, you have to look at as many variables as possible. and so like for example, if you are a very family oriented person and, and like relationships is your is your main bit. there are some things within say medicine that people are unaware of. Until they've been through it. Like, for example, the the white coat syndrome, which at least in America, what happens is if you become a doctor or a lawyer, um, especially doctors, is as soon as you become a a doctor, you're looked at differently in your family. Ooh, he's the Mm -hmm. doctor. Mm -hmm. Ooh, doctor, and you have this whole different crutch. I'm the same person I was before this MD, guys. But there's this. Ooh, look how much money he makes now. And there's a there's a little bit of resentment that's connected to becoming a doctor that most people don't understand. So hierarchy, yeah, exactly. So what happens is, all right, if 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 family is your most important dynamic, you have to be careful of like, hey, there there is this white coat syndrome you're gonna have to deal with. Is that something you're okay with? Is are you okay? So like knowing. The reasons why you do something is so important because there may be better ways that you can get that
1: goal through a different means. And, and so that's and that's where yeah spending more time with your family your future exactly. kids, grandkids because you don't want to listen to your kids telling you you know when you get older and you have grandkids already yeah dad was never there he was always mm-hmm. working you know we had a lonely childhood you don't want to hear that as a dad you know so i mean i get that entrepreneurs have to work very 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 hard and very long to achieve a goal but is this goal going to turn into some kind of passive flow where you can then enjoy at the end of that road or is are you literally you know, obliged to work until the day you die yeah. to bring food on the table. That's and the just question and, that ask. and that's the big thing too, is like, I mean, learn the four
0: quadrants, learning learning employee versus self-employed versus leverage and owning a business and investing. When when you understand how money works, it brings a whole different dynamic to your life because we can go on that tangent forever. (laughs) I just
1: wanted to say like we're getting on a very interesting path, but Mm -hmm. I have a few questions coming back to the health aspect of it. Honestly, financial literacy is something that is very important in 2020 and ongoing too. People need to understand that. But getting back to to the question- your tipping point, And I further want to, cause you already answered that question a little bit. Uh, you're going to go into a little bit more that tipping point, that tipping that point
0: right? really came through, through inspiration. And so in this transition period of my life of not going into medicine and going into figuring it out, I met Luke and Jamie and Jukes and Morton and a lot of these guys. And Luke was one of the, one of the biggest catalysts for me. Reason being is this group that I started associating myself with my junior year, they set a standard in their group where it was like personal growth is just a is just what we do, and I was like, okay, I respect that. I was like, okay, there's there's plenty of stuff I don't know. Let's, I'll, I'll and so the book, the first book I read, I I, I can't, I, I there's going to be a time that I'm going to be in a personal conversation um, with him, and we'll, we'll we'll figure out when that day comes. But the <laughs> first book I read was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Wow. And that book just changed my whole perspective on life. It, it really did because up until this point, what how do most people see life? They see life as one or two or three massive decisions that control your life, and it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And it's like a massive goal. How like the reason why I never really tried to lose two hundred pounds when I was four hundred pounds is I didn't believe it. It was I'm just like. This is so far out of possibility for me that I'm like, it's not possible. And so why would I even try? But then that book just breaks down the the, the simplicity and the truth behind life, which is if you want to lose 200 pounds, all you have to do is lose two pounds a week for 100 weeks and you lose 200 pounds. And I was like, oh, well, that seems pretty doable. (laughs) And so that was honestly my start, which was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on two pounds a week. That's it. I just doubled down on two pounds a week. And I was like, okay, I'm 4'10". Let me get to 408. Boom, hit it. Sweet, celebrate. 408 to 406. Boom, hit, celebrate. Do it again. 406 nice. to 404. And I literally put my head down, focusing on two pounds a week until about 50 pounds. And I stepped on the scale at 50 pounds down, and that was the switch. Mm. And it was like, ah. this is real. And I'm there's so much information I don't know on how to live the best life I can. It's I'm just going to be- possible. I'm just going to be a lifelong student and I'm so excited to figure out the things that I don't know. And I just dove in deep. I, I I, I was reading a book a week. I was listening to as many seminars as I could. I was adding as many dynamics as I could. I was going to Tony Robbins events. I just dove in at 50 pounds down. Um, where that's really that switch happened. It's like I'm going to change every piece of my life. I don't that I don't agree with, which is like physical, mental, spiritual, relationships, community, money. I'm going to change and and actively make my life as af- effective and better as I can. And that was really the the catalyst that brought about the change. And I mean, I've gotten huge into neuro-linguistic associations, how the brain works, how, uh, I mean, I, I can go into di- the depths of it all and that's how the sustainability <laughs> came from it, yeah. um, uh, was really understanding how your brain works and hacking your brain in better terms. Um, and so that, that's what made it really the the dynamic for me.
1: Question that is quite interesting tapping into that right now, because Obviously, it always breaks down because you always say there's there's those three three big decisions that you have to take. Yeah, that's not true. But for you, it was one thing that I think for you made the difference. Self-confidence. Mm-hmm. I think you gained self-confidence through understanding that it was possible. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the biggest problems. I kind of want to ask you your, your your opinion on that because right now, looking at the world, looking at countries like continents like America, Looking at some parts of Europe, looking at other parts in the world where fast food has become the new norm, where it's about how fast can I get from point A to point B, what with eating, with sleeping, that 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 that. That at a certain point, America has such a large—I don't even know the exact number. Maybe you can help me out there. The obesity rate in America is increasing. Oh, it's like fifty percent. And people—people people that die from cardiovascular failure—is like increasing every year as well mm-hmm. because they're just too big and they have just have too much weight to carry literally for their organs. But now the question that I'm asking myself, there are so many problems or there's such a big problem in those people's minds because just like, just like you or maybe like your parents, because they loved you, they, they create this bubble around you of like, it's okay of who you are. It's okay. Accept yourself for who you are and just go with this. I really, I'm really curious about your take on this because this is such a big thing and coming from your point now, changing your body, losing over 200 pounds, like what, what is your take on that? What, what is your, your opinion on that? And how do you, why do you think is that happening? And how do can, how can people change that?
0: So it's very interesting because it, it, we live in a very day and age where the more triggering the statements you make, the mm-hmm. more popularity you get. So I think that's where a lot of the social media issues, a lot of friction of today's world comes from Cause instead of coming from a place of logic and understanding and looking at variables and breaking things down, it's just like everyone's healthy to every size. Shut up, and it's <laughs> uh, and it's it's not my fault. It's everyone else's fault. It's like everyone just makes these just because because the more triggering you make the statement, the more people will connect with it or disconnect with it, and it just it it, it appropriates what you what you're looking for. And, and the reason why I say that is. For example, this idea of like of body positivity. There's a there's a certain place where it's very effective. Like um the, like have you heard of like Nick um Nick, gosh he has such a goofy last name. He has no legs and one arm. Nick ah, the Italian yes, guy
1: He had like multiple TED talks and yes. About so,
0: so I just had his um, personal trainer on my on my podcast. Um, and just like that type of body positivity, you're born without legs and an arm. You have to own that and you have to not allow it to, to dictate your life, but you have to own that. If you're born without an arm, you can't just be like, oh man, I wish I had an arm and you can't do that. But like this idea that somehow being positive about your weight, that because it's, it's like who you are, I'll ask you, who are you? Like mm-hmm. seriously, when when was the time that you asked yourself who you are? And oftentimes, first, first and foremost, these beliefs that are instilled in us either through the community or through our own experiences are given to us at six, seven, ten years old. So it's like you sit there and it's like, okay, so if you're if you're operating on the same operating system of a Mac circa 1996, is it mm-hmm. as good as Mac circa 2020? No. So you should probably question those beliefs that you've been mm-hmm. instilled since birth. Most people right. just don't do that. Oh, you're just not good enough for this reason, or or you're just fat and you're just thick bone and all these all these beliefs that are instilled in you, and you think it's who you are. Who you are is who you decide to be. Like Ooh. that is a massive position that changed my life because I understand it. A, a great story. Of how we justify things we don't like to make ourselves feel better in the moment is—you're going to laugh. It's hysterical. First time I stepped on the scale over 400 pounds, I was probably 17-ish, 17 and a half, and um, I step on the scale, and it was the first time. Now, mind you, I was actually probably more than that because. On our scales, when you're this big, they have like a handlebar. And like I grabbed the handlebar to like slowly, like secretly grabbed it and lifted a little bit to like take <laughs> off a couple pounds. Like it freaking mattered. Oh, <laughs> I'm 400 now, 408. Like, cause I pulled off four, eight pounds because pulling up, like, it's freaking, but that's what you do. You twist things in your head to make yourself feel better in the moment. Right to yourself, yeah. And so I stepped on the scale over 400, time, 400 pounds for the first time. And the next day I go to school and I go to all my buddies and I'm like, hey guys. How much do you think I weigh? And they were like, I don't know, 300, 310, 290. And like when you start getting that point where you're 400 plus pounds, it's like everyone kind of just puts you at the 300 pound range for respect and because no one understands what 400 pounds really looks like. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. So all these guys were saying I'm 290, 300, 310. I go home to my mom that night and I go, Mom, I look pretty good for 400 pounds because most of my friends think I'm 300. <laughs> now just try to wrap your head around this. I'm trying to justify and make myself feel better in the moment that somehow being 400 but looking 300 makes a difference. It makes no difference. I'm still 400 pounds. But we twist things and this is where people get it get it twisted is the fact of most people make these excuses. What is an excuse? An excuse helps you feel better in the moment, but it never actually changes you. And so, mm. it, it, this is this is a big thing that people get caught up in. Is yes, excuses make you feel better. They do for a short time, but I can promise you the regret of five years, of ten years down the road, of truly being stuck and missing out. It's like uh, the, the commitments of the decisions you make to transform weigh ounces. Mm-hmm. And the, the feeling of regret at the end of your life weighs tons. And it's like, yeah, yeah. of course, it, it does make you feel a little better in the moment. But it, it, I promise you, you play that game
1: and you're eventually going to lose. You're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem nowadays people are having, they're not having enough self-confidence and as well mm-hmm. self-esteem, self-worth, because they're looking at, you know, 400 pounds. It's not that if I want to lose some weight, I'm maybe going to lose like 10, 20 kilograms or 40 pounds if I bust my ass for one month, you know, and it's like, it's so disappointing to see how it's still like the third decimal or the first decimal is never changing. It's just going mm-hmm. fluctuating on the second and third a little bit. And I think that is so disappointing and that kind of breaks your self-confidence or your confidence level as well. So I think the biggest thing or what, what do you think? The biggest thing that people nowadays need is to reshape or rewire their brain. Because what did you, yep. you said before about identity? We had a very interesting episode with uh, Daniel. Daniel Shui, I think you yep. know him too. And we spoke about the topic of identity identity and what makes your identity and how can you break and reshape your identity over the course of your years because obviously like you just said everything that you have been programmed to be or to think or to do or to to, to act in general comes mm-hmm. from your first 7 to 9 years yep that's where all of your programs are being Typed or coded into your head, like who you are, who you should think you're, uh, you are, like where you're coming from, what your ethnicity is, what your beliefs are. This is all shaped in the early years, but people forget that we are in control of this program. It's not the con- program controlling us, but the other way around. So, mm-hmm. um, I heard as well this because it, it, at the end of the day, it always comes down to how much personal power can you create, or how much willpower do you have to make something, like to change something. And obviously, like you saw as well. Things only change once you started to change things in your life. Yep. I have a beautiful story that I think Luke told us for or told me for the first time four years ago when we were in Mexico standing on the balcony. And he he told me this story about, you know, this, um, this guy who lives in this village and all of a sudden the big flood comes and the big flood mm-hmm. comes and he had to hide on his roof he had to hide on his roof and slowly the water was getting higher and higher and higher and he was alone and all of a sudden you know he was praying to god he was saying like hey god please save me please send me a sign uh give me some help so i can i can survive and i can be with you or with my family and all of a sudden a boat comes and the the the, the boatman asks the guy man don't ca- jump on our boat come we're go- we're going to save you And the guy just says like, no, 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 no. I'm waiting for a sign of God. God is going to save me. God is going to save me. And the boat leaves. An hour later, another boat comes. He asks the same question. Hey, come on our boat. We're going to save you. We're going to bring it to your family. No, God is going to save me. God is going to save me. You know, and then a third boat comes and the water is getting higher and higher and higher. And at a certain point, the man dies. He drowns. He gets to the gates of heaven. He stands in front of God and he just asks God, God, why didn't you save me? I asked for a sign. I asked for a sign and you didn't listen to me. How come? Why didn't you help me? And God just looks down on him and said, he didn't, probably didn't say you idiot, but <laughs> man, we sent you two boats and people that wanted to save you and you didn't accept them. And this is kind of like the mentality. People are waiting for this big sign of mm-hmm. life. Like you said, it's the regrets. When you're being you know, diagnosed with a tumor, when you're being diagnosed with assist in your brain, when you have all of those bad things happening, that's what we're waiting for. That's our wake-up call, but that's the wrong path because people usually realize only when it's too late. So what is your take or how did you create personal power or self-confidence for yourself? What are some of the tips that you can give maybe to people out there who have the same problems, who are going through the same situation? How can they build some confidence for themselves? So momentum,
0: momentum. That, that's The moment, momentum of life is the reason why right now the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer mm-hmm. is because momentum is what destroys everything. And the negative momentum cycle of life and the positive momentum cycle in life. It's crazy how um, that's why the first year of a change is so tough because you're on this negative slide and you mm-hmm. think that overnight you're just going to stop this negative slide. No, you got to stop it. And then you slowly build momentum on the other way, and so um, it it is a game, and that's why it's like the the way I like to help with people on how to achieve massive success in anywhere, whether it's weight loss or whatever you're trying to do is I call it the sweet spot. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even from me; I, I can't remember where I got it from. But uh, uh, the sweet spot of life and a sweet the sweet spot is obviously when it comes to confidence. Confidence is just. The, the idea of you're capable of doing something. Now, confidence isn't just stagnant. It's like me sitting here right now saying, all right, I just me, – me playing basketball against LeBron James. Where's my confidence level at? I'm like, not very high because <laughs> I play some basketball. But could, I, could I beat LeBron James? I'm going to be very – I'm not going to be very confident with that one because it's not my lane and True. it's not something I do. But like when it comes to, say, weight loss, when it comes to, say, transforming your mind, I've been at this game for seven, six and six and a half, seven years. I've built such momentum. And what is momentum but hitting a goal over and, over and over and over and over and over again. And it's just your belief into doing something. And so how do you go about gaining belief mm-hmm. is you gain momentum. And how do you gain momentum is just set a sweet spot goal, which is a goal that is big enough that excites you, but small enough that you truly believe you can hit. Mm. And going back to my story, my, when I was 200 pounds overweight, when I was 410 pounds, what was my sweet spot? What was a goal that excited me that I actually believed I could hit? It was two pounds. Anybody can lose two pounds. That's not a very confident goal, mm-hmm. but it was a goal that I could believe in. And that's where I started. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'll lose two pounds. And like that was the point where like I built momentum in hitting a goal over and over and over again that when I got to that 50 pound mark, I had built that momentum high enough that now it's like, that was the point where I was like, I'm going for 50, I'm losing 200. But I literally focused on two pounds a week because that was a sweet spot goal for me to the point where when I got to that momentum, when when, when all of a sudden the confidence went through the roof because I I built enough into my favor, that was like I went from my goals being two pounds a week to all of a sudden I'm losing 200 pounds. And then when I lost a, when I lost almost 200 pounds, then I was like, I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. <laughs> but thinking of me at 410 pounds saying, I'm going to go to a bodybuilding
1: show at 410, you're out of your freaking mind. I, w- I couldn't yeah. believe that. And I think this is one of the biggest problems that – if you go through Instagram, YouTube, you see all of these beautiful ads, those beautiful um, fitness gurus that already have like the eight pack and they're like massively ripped. And they're like, if you're overweight and want to get a body like I do, join my fitness course and within eight weeks, I'll show you how to do that. It's like, man, we're living such a wrong idea. 100%. Expectations. And this is why most people, like, why do you think, why do you think after Christmas, the time between Christmas and New Year's, in in, in Europe at least there if you go on the television or YouTube there are loads because gyms know what's happening on the 1st of January there are loads of advertisements New Year's Uh, resolutions New Year's resolutions get in your perfect shape blah 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 I mean I went to the gym I'm I'm not going to the gym anymore because I train outdoors calisthenics but like I used Mm -hmm. to go for the gym for at least 5 years too and every single year it was exactly the same on the 1st of January you had like 200 new subscriptions to your local gym it's packed overfilled you have to stand in line to use the dumbbells and then all of a sudden on the 15th you have half of the people on the 22nd you have maybe a third and by february you're back at your old routine and yeah. i think is the biggest problem that is happening at the moment motivation and this is what i once read to is that motivation usually declines from 100 down to 18 percent motivation because it's very short in less than 52 hours mm-hmm. it doesn't even take three days for your motivation level to be go from here down there if you don't Set small goals, and I think this is wow. This is a big, big nugget from your side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: that, that's the and that's the whole thing with me too. Is like when I go into like my book and and everything, I sit here and my so like my book, seventy percent of it, seventy five, is on the mind and how your beliefs work and how to build momentum and all of that. Twenty to twenty five percent is actually on nutrition and working out, because like, again, it's like. Success in anything, I don't care. And it's 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 tough because it's being able to convey a message in multiple dynamics to get someone to understand. Like I get so annoyed by when people just arbitrarily make the statement of, what's your why? Mm-hmm. What's your why, man? What's your why? And you get these people that just make this, what's your why, man? And they just, let's hold hands talk about your why. And it's like, I understand where they're coming from, which is like, understanding your beliefs and how your mind works is a is a is more powerful than the skills needed to do something but you got to be able to convey it in different messages so i was like what is your why another mm-hmm. way to state that is how will your life be better when you hit your goal and how mm-hmm. will you have less pain with hitting your goal and like that that's another dynamic i always go into is like okay so pain and pleasure at the end of the day humans are doing things for one of two reasons. The acquiring of pleasure or the deterrent of pain. That's it. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. if if something, if you associate more pain with something than pleasure, you're not going to do it. Of course That's not. it. Of course And not. so, <laughs> because that, that's just that's just your, your small limbic brain going, well, if there's no pleasure involved and it's all pain, why would I do it? And so, so you sit here and it's okay. So you want a goal. You have whatever your goal is. And this is knowing the dynamics of things. It's like, so, For example, when I started going into the significance of weight loss, I started to really think about how my life was going to be better when I achieved this goal in as many ways as possible. Some of them are very petty. Like, I'm not going to say all of them are altruistic. Like, were some of them altruistic? Where it's when I started losing weight, I noticed how all my friends and family started losing weight just because I was losing weight and all that Mm -hmm. positive momentum from it. Yes obviously that was one of the big dynamics. But guess what? Your boy loves very fit, attractive girls. And I sat here and thought about, is a 400 pound guy going to get a very fit, attractive girl? Probably not. And so that was a part of my, my understanding. It was a part of my motivation was understanding when I get to this goal, what I can, how my life is pleasurably going to be better. And so knowing how many ways your life will be better, and how many of your ways will be less painful will motivate you and get you to understand why that happens the way it does. Cause, yeah, cause mm-hmm. otherwise, and, and motivation I, I mean, is, is, is like bathing. It's like you need to do it every day or you start to smell. Like that's where dream boards come into play. That's where all these things, the associations involved
1: come into play. I think, um, I don't know if you guys have that in the United States, but here here in Europe, or at least in Germany, I know, know that for myself. If anyone else out there in Europe has that too, let me know. But on New Year's Eve, you have like those little crackers, you know, those little firecrackers that you just throw on the oh, floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You know, it's like it's snap hops like or whatever. Like, as a child, you always got like a pack of them and you were throwing them at each other yep. on the ground and made like this quick and then it was yep. gone. This is for me, this is for me, motivation. Mm-hmm. Motivation is nothing more, nothing less than just like a cracker that you throw on the floor. The moment it pops up, it's cool, it's there, but the next second it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you gotta find a way of how to have this um highlight, this big bang, constantly in your life. And I I know that for example in your book you talk about a lot of you talk about your personal story, but you talk about a lot of tips, tricks. and um, techniques of how someone can create this confidence and create this transformation in his life. So um, why don't you break down one or two of them? Because I think that would be very interesting as well for the people, for everyone listening right now that might get inspired by your story to as well later check out your book, check out your Instagram because I think you have so much value, a ton of value to share and you have your own podcast. So obviously everybody that's interested, we're going to send right over to you because this is something we love sharing stories that Mm -hmm. people not of people who are already like celebrities and people who are like, okay, I'm already there. You know, you look at a Brad Pitt telling you about like his story. It's like, okay, man, but you have, you've, you're already there. Like you're already on that path. What I love, I love sharing stories and sharing conversations with people who are still on the path Mm -hmm. who have not achieved massive things because those are the things were the most relatable, like the most relatable things to us. Yep. There's so, that disconnect. There's that lag period. I, I completely agree. Where it's like when when I'm listening to some super high celebrities for myself, I'm listening to them, but I'm like, yeah, okay, but I guess you were quite privileged in the way that you were raised, and you start putting on a pedestal, hundred percent. Voila, voila. Mm-hmm. And so share share with me. So this, I'm really loving this conversation right now. So why don't you share some techniques and tricks from your book, um, just to give you the people a little sneak peek
0: on what? Yeah. So. Uh, so a couple things that I'll go into. Um, number one, at the end of the day, this this is a lot of Tony stuff, but I, I, the biggest thing for me is I talk about my book. I talk about like I'm not sitting here as some like pseudo expert that all this stuff is mine. I, it's just mm-hmm. what you do is you learn from successful people who have been in the position you are at. You implement what they say and do. Why? Because they have results. That it's mm-hmm. not theory. We we live in a very day and age where The loud theorists are becoming more and more listened to than quieter resultists, which is like, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, yeah, we can go on that whole tangent by (laughs) itself. But like that, that's (laughs) at the end of the day, when you're taking advice, you have to listen to people who have what you want and have been where you're at, period. Mm -hmm. Like at at the end of the day, grandma can be an incredible person. You get advice for relationships because she's been in a marriage for 70 years. Great when she tells you you should go to college because financially it's a smart move and she's never made more than $60,000 a year in her life you got to be you got to you got to take that into account um, and so so I got really big into personal growth and Tony's been one of my favorites to listen to and so the the, the dynamic and the sequence that I'll go through here um, obviously came from him comes from him but even him he gets it from plenty of other people too um, when you're not getting what you want it comes down to two things Either you're in a poor emotional state, your state management is is poor, Mm -hmm. or you have a belief system that is holding you back. Mm -hmm. That's it. On the emotional side of things, on state management, which makes up a large percentage of success, is keeping yourself in state, where it's like, yeah, you get into state for two and a half days of motivation for weight loss, and then that state management's gone, because you don't understand how you did it. Mm -hmm. And so... Understanding state management has been one of the most important things in my life. State management comes down to three things. It's called the triad Mm -hmm. where state management comes from your physiology as in how you use your body, Mm -hmm. your focus, which is the the inner questions and dialogue you have in your brain. 85% plus of all dialogue you ever say never leaves your head. And then finally, your language, the words you use, because words have definitions and definitions decide what the brain does. Mm-hmm. And so first and foremost, physiology. Everyone thinks that physiology is a one-way street. So like your emotional state, you sit here and you're like, all right, if I don't care if you're from America, Europe, Africa, Asia. If I were to ask you what a depressed person looked like, what do they look like? Like define some of the physiological traits. What are they doing with their body? Are they are they slumped over, or are they high chested, deep breathing? They're, they're slumped over. Are they hello, hello looking breathing. up? Or are they looking down?
1: They're looking down.
0: Are they breathing deep, or are they breathing shallow? Shallow. <laughs> are they opening their body really big, or are they closing themselves off? They're closing down, and they love sleeping a lot. Exactly. And so everyone thinks physiologically your emotional state is only like your emotions control your physiology, but your physiology controls your emotions the same way. You can force your body to do things and it brings a whole different dynamic. Anyone listening to this right now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're probably slumping a little bit. You're you're attentive, but your shoulders are slumped. You're probably leaning over. I just want you to sit up high, high chest, roll your shoulders back, deep belly breath, Tell me you don't feel more energetic just from doing that. Mm. You do because the physiology, it it really does does affect it. So you get into – understanding how your body, how your mind influences yourself. Mm. So your physiology. So what does that mean? You should work out and do something physically active every morning. Every morning because it gets your day set for movement. I don't care if it's – it could be just jumping on a on a on a small trampoline in your bedroom for five minutes, just to get yourself physiologically at a higher state. Or maybe it's you set a move, maybe you have an emotional trick. I don't care what it is: push ups, sit ups, air squats. It doesn't matter. It's getting your, it's doing a f- high intensity physiological event that heightens your emotional state and getting yourself into a a productive manner. Okay, that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two influencer is language. And a lot of people have this one ex- extremely twisted. I'll tell you my story of how how does someone that grew up in such a blessed background almost kill himself twice? Why? Because I was asking myself awful questions. And you know what those questions consisted of? Why am I not good enough? Why am I such a failure? Mm. Now, what is that going to do? Your brain... Is just a big old supercomputer. It's not. It's not for you. It's not against you. It just does what you ask of it. And so, if you ask it a dumb question, it's going to give you a dumb answer. It doesn't know. And so, you ask yourself, "Why am I such a failure?" Your brain's going to go, "Well, I was in slow reading classes until fifth grade. Uh, well, your 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 friend John called you an idiot in third grade. Well, well, and it's just going to give you past experiences and events." that that validity to whatever you ask of it mm-hmm. and so if you want to raise your emotional state if you want to stay in a more productive manner the questions you ask yourself will dictate the focus of the brain i mean you get into the reticular activating system of the brain you what you ask of it your brain's going to attract and what's going to follow like this isn't like i'm not even getting into the spiritualness of it all it's just this is how the brain works mm-hmm. and so
1: little, how little, can i be little, as a fa- Little fun fact to the last thing you said is that um, it's proven through studies that 80% of your thoughts are actually negative and 95% of them are repetitive. So this is like yep. breaking the pattern. We already went through that with like Daniel. It was super interesting. Um, but yeah, sorry, continue. 100%. And so, and so, like, you get this point. It's like, okay, so you get from a, a big danger, you should be
0: very, very restrictive on your why questions, because why questions often lead to negative responses. How and what questions are capable of getting you on a, on a productive focus? So it's like, how can I be as productive as I can today? What can I do to help me lose weight today? What can I do to how like that those these these questions, these shifts in your in your focus? Well, then it's crazy. You start going, how can I live a healthier life? And then, whoa, I didn't notice this new gym just opened up. Holy crap, David Roden just popped across my Instagram. Because now your brain is focusing on what you ask of it. And then finally is language, the language you use on a day-to-day basis. And I'm going to sound old because I say it the the way I say it, which is young people especially (laughs) have this – we live in this very – triggering world where it, it, it everything has to be so grandiose. It's not I'm dealing with a little struggle. It's I am in a massive problem or it's not that I struggle with eating. It's I'm addicted to food. These words have meaning in the brain. So if you say you're addicted to this, it brings a whole different emotional connection to it. A great example part of my story even even with my weight loss um, I was down like 140 pounds I was I was at my first Tony Robbins event um, and one of my one of my mentors at the time we were, we were talking about our stories everything like that and I had brought up the statement that one of the things I used to say was I was addicted to food that was part of my story. I would say I used to be addicted to food. And he goes, you should be very careful on using that word because that word has such an emotional connection in the brain. And I was like, you're right. So I changed it to infatuated. I was infatuated with food. I loved food. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not kidding you. Over the next month of changing my story from addicted to infatuated, my desire for celebration meals
1: dropped by 20% <laughs> just for the word change. Just the word change. Obviously, it's it's subconscious. It's a subconscious change that is happening, which you cannot really realize. But at a certain point, you look back and you're like, "Oh wow!" If you look at my last month, wow. Yeah, you're like, "Oh wow, this is massive." And so, so like you, so being very
0: effective with. So you will you will rarely ever hear me say there's a problem. It's always it's a situation. Here's a scenario that's very this is something we got to overcome Here's something we've got to overcome but i you will rarely ever hear me say problem or depressed or these words because there's such they get thrown around so easily and so quickly and you wonder why people are so stuck is because it's it's not i'm a little frustrated right now i'm a little annoyed it's i'm pissed mm-hmm. and it's like you people don't understand the the emotional connection because your brain has a definition to these words and so whether you like it or not, you are making a more emotional connection than it has to be there. Mm-hmm. And so go back to the basics. Um, physiology, first place to start. So control, getting in an active habitual motion of how you use your body on a day-to-day basis, whether that's like priming, for example, um, is a big Tony Robbins thing. Um, whatever you want to do to physiologically, like you, I roll my shoulders, but I check myself every 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, roll my shoulders back. Deep Breathing, but I do it all the time. Like I like yeah, yeah. now. It's now it's the point where it's where it's literally I've done it for so long that it's just become like a second nature to me. But it's a piece of the puzzle. Number two, your language or your focus, which comes down to the the, the inner dialogue getting more effective on the questions you ask yourself, and then finally your language becoming very very intensive on the words you use. It sounds so funny to me because it's like we want I'm, everything. Everything's becoming so because everyone overzealouses these, like what I was saying before, like, it's mindset, it's mindset. Okay. I, I get you say mindset. Let, let's, 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 let's systemize this. Let's make some actual tangible connections. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like, okay, knowing I, I, – there's another thing I'll go into if you if, – depending on the timeline is getting into like neuro-linguistic associations – that's like my. That's like my. I do massive stuff on that.
1: As as long as long because last time when we were on a podcast with um, Daniel, we went in a, mm-hmm. into it too. But at a certain point, he was so deep into it, and we were like, "Okay, we have no idea what you're talking about anymore." You know. So as, <laughs> you know, as long as you keep like the the flow, in no. a way that people understand you. Simplify it, please. One hundred percent. Something you love, go for it, man. Because I'm the, really the about that too. I'm learning right now. The easiest one to me. So
0: if anyone's very intrigued on like. So first off, let me just let me put a very simple asso- – how it works. Pavlov dog. We've all heard of Pavlov, mm-hmm. which was the, the scientist that brought about that you can have a trigger which senses emotional response, meaning mm-hmm. you ring a bell every time you feed a dog and he salivates. He starts to drool. And then you start ringing a bell and you don't even give the dog food. He still drools. Why? Because he has a neuro association to whenever a bell rings – He sees, he thinks there's food coming, so he starts to drool. Mm -hmm. Your brain's the same way. We we learn this in freaking we're 12 years old, but we're never taught on how to utilize it in our own body and our our, like leverage this this new information. And that's what I find so interesting. So, um, a book I recommend to everyone is the essential guide to neuro linguistic programming. And um, it's a purple book. It's on Amazon or wherever you want to get it. It's a fantastic book um in and it, what
1: link in description <laughs> yeah
0: we'll do that um and because it, it really breaks down this whole phenomenon of how the brain associates different things and so one of the things that i've done over the last four years of really getting into neurolinguistic associations is i have a physiological physiological trigger where every single day for months i would three to five times a day i'd get into a strong state so i'd sit here deep breath And I would visualize myself in some of the most euphoric, just relaxive times of my life. Like being at my family's beach house, hanging with the friends, drinking a beer, being in Mexico with you, and like just all these most euphoric feelings. And I'd press my thumb against my finger. And you probably can't see it right now, but I have goose goosebumps going across me right now. (laughs) Why? Because every I have set this trigger – Every time I push my thumb against my index, my second knuckle, my middle finger, when I do that, I my brain is now associated with just blissful feelings, Mm. and so I've trained my brain to. If I start feeling stressed, if I start because because stuff going on, I just take a breath, I do this, and I can just feel more relaxed. Wow, that's neuro linguistic associations. That is wow. understanding how your neurology and your your language and your physiology all connect to your emotions. Oh, that's wow. as far as I'll go. So, so, um, how,
1: so how can someone teach themselves
0: this habit? That's, that's all it is. It's it's just habit. It's it's it, you can do it in any way, shape, or form you want. You can um, the book goes into detail of a thousand different ways you can do it because it's just understanding mm-hmm. the fact that your brain creates neural pathways of emotional and physical triggers to get a response. And instead of being at at cause – or sorry, at effect of life, which is like everything is just triggering you for the sake of triggering you and you have no control over it, you become at cause. You start creating these triggers where it's like why is someone scared of a dog when they see a dog? It's because they have some big emotional event that's connected to that. They got bit by a dog when they were six. Mm -hmm. But you can change that. That's all it is. Now, no one – just teaching people – and you can teach yourself because all it is is you you create new neural pathways for one of two things. Either repetition where you just do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again or a massive emotional impact, a massive emotional state. So that's why when you go to like Tony Robbins events, you go screaming all the time because it puts you at such an elevated emotional state that when Tony has you do these different things – It tends to click more because you're such an emotional Mm -hmm. elevated state. So for me, when I was doing this one, um, it, it just came
1: through just repetition. I just did it every day, three to five times a day for months wow I've, I've never been to a tony robbins event but i always imagine because there is literally there is so much momentum with an event like mm-hmm. that it's actually like a massive party like the biggest party you could possibly imagine this is a tony L. robbins event life and i'm very it looks about- like a cult. 100 it does i'll admit it because <laughs> everyone straight up everybody looks like everybody. everyone's happy. like why is yeah.
0: everyone so happy and just
1: like yeah <laughs> it does not the game sense. for for external listeners that don't even know him it's like what kind of a cold is this you know Mm -hmm. but the point that i was trying to make is that the interesting thing is and this is why i'm so amazed by what you're teaching over here is that no matter if you're watching like back to the the topic of motivation Mm -hmm. motivation doesn't stay long like you pay five thousand dollars for a tony robbins event you fly out to freaking florida or wherever he's holding it and Mm -hmm. then you after those seven days five thousand dollars less in your bank account you're getting home and what now you're back in your old environment you're back in your old emotional zone as well, because we attach situations and locations to emotions as well. So whenever I go to my old apartment in in German city, I feel bad. Like I don't want to be there. It's like emotions that we attach to location and to everything. So this is super interesting. If you actually learn how to prime yourself and how to connect, have those neuro-linguistic associations Mm-hmm. train yourself man i really yeah. have to and just becoming aware of it that's the first step it's like i did the same thing at the
0: my family beach house i've associated so much of my family beach house as relaxation and let loose that i, I dealt with binge issues at, at my beach house for years over the last like three or four years because i've always been it's you go to the beach house you're gonna eat a lot of food and drink a lot of beer and have some fun And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, there were some certain points where I'm like, I can't do that yet. I I, I got a bodybuilding show. I got different stuff going on. So I'm aware that this is a trigger for me and I need to reprogram this situation into something bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And so that, but this first step is being aware of it. It's like, oh, wow. I never knew that when I said the word Sarah, because I had a girlfriend one time that was a kind of a whatever i'm just making this up um but it's like like just starting to become aware of this just stop being at so much of effect Mm -hmm. everything has a cause Mm -hmm. everything has a cause when you can find the cause you can change the effect Mm -hmm. that's that's the big thing Is like figuring out okay every huh at 3 a.m every night i seem to eat okay at 3 a.m. you eat. Okay, so how are we going to change that cause so you don't have that effect of eating at 3 a.m.?
1: Let, Figure me, it out. Let, let me actually repeat that again because that was so nice. When you identify the cause, you can change the effect. Correct. Man, when you identify the cause, you can change the effect. That is so fundamental. But still, a lot of people, just like myself as well, we don't fully grasp it because it's, yeah, it's it's the
0: It's just getting caught in the victim complex, which is another issue of today's world where somehow something is happening based upon something I can't control. Mm -hmm. And it's like everyone lives in such a victim world of everything. I'm obese because of genetics of PCOS of something I can't control, blah, 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 blah. I'm poor because my dad, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm unhappy. I don't have a relationship because of blah, 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 And it's like stop, believe. Like one of the big things for me of just this transformation is stop believing in mysticism. Things you can't Mm. like, you can't see. It's like, that's where, I mean, I can go on so many tangents of it. It's like, (laughs) we can't mysticize anything. Mm -hmm. Like make things as logical and as, I'm not trying to say you have to be stoic and like not have emotions. Emotions have their place. But it's like we live in such an emotional world where you somehow think that emotions are real. Emotions are not real. Emotions are what your brain thinks is real but doesn't mean it's actually reality. Because if that were true, how does someone who's 18 years old living in a six, 7,000 square foot house with love, support, family, everything almost kill himself twice? Because your feelings don't necessarily mean reality. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing you start getting into is like, mm-hmm. okay, so if that's not true – Let's start finding the cause, finding the effect and changing the things. That's where the, the power of not believing in mysticism anymore, the power of taking 100% ownership, everyone, most people take a negative connotation to 100% accountability, where everything in your life, if you're over the age of 25, everything in your life is your fault. Now, what, what do I mean by that? is the fact of the power of, of personal accountability. Because again, it, just because something wasn't your fault, say you had a father die young or whatever, doesn't mean it's not your responsibility to get through it. Mm. And so it's like the, the power of being 100% at cause with life, it changes everything. It, it empowers you because now it's like, oh, wow. So um, if I'm poor, it means I've been doing some stupid stuff okay what that means is guess what if I change some stuff I'm not poor anymore oh my gosh okay wow. that's empowering life everyone really? has this dis- it's 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 empowering because otherwise yeah. thinking if you're at affect with life that's the most depressing thing in the world to think that your life is out of your control it's like that's awful like that's a terrible way to think of life yeah like it's that just sucks like okay <laughs> it's empowering
1: to be like no this might my I'm in this position because i did some stupid stuff of course yeah. and i mean it, it is it is important for us to differentiate between because i think there are always three types of things that are happening in this world there are things that are in your control there are things that are partially in your control and there are things that are completely out of your control so true. let's not say that it's not true that there are things that are out of your control i mean you can influence we can but you can personally influence um the weather or you can't influence natural disasters happening, or a family member dying. You know those are things that are out of your control. But I think what you what what you just said is so true that at least the things that we can control, why don't we take ownership on them?
0: Why and the just- responsibility side of things, it okay. may not be your fault, yes. but it is your responsibility to get through it. It's like it, it may not be your like for example, um, personally. So. A year and a half ago, and I was getting ready for my bodybuilding show. So two years ago, I made the decision that in the next two years, I was going to do a bodybuilding show. Like that—that that was the goal. Because I was at because I got in this. I was actually kind of on the the wrong side. I got up because I got super into bodybuilding, and I got up to like 275 pounds, back up to around like probably 28 percent body fat. Um, because I got super into like eating and big, just getting big, and. So I'm sitting at about probably 275, 28% body fat at this point after my two removal surgeries, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I set that goal. I was going to do a bodybuilding show. And on Halloween of a year and a half, two years ago, I tore my knee, tore my PCL playing basketball. Uh, it sucks. It wasn't my control. Pretty- like I, I couldn't pl- – I didn't plan that. <laughs> Two days later, after getting the MRI, getting finding out I, I tore my knee, I had to do rehab and do all this kind of stuff, I was like, all right, what am I gonna what's the meaning of this situation that I can't control? I can't control I tore my knee. But what I can control is the meaning I give it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know what? I'm gonna use this as an inspirational moment to prove to people that no matter what happens in your life, you can make an empowering meaning and result. And so that point, a year late, 363 days later, I had a bodybuilding show on November 2nd. Um, so, literally, almost a, a year to the day. So, while having to do rehab, I can't do cardio because my knee, I had to do all the rehab with my knee, all this kind of stuff. I went from 275, 28% body fat to a year later, I was 212 and sub 8% after tearing my knee. Wow. Now, what do most people do in those situations? Man, woe was me? This sucks. Like, it's not my fault. This isn't fair. And what do they do from that? Well, now that I'm stressed and angry, I'm gonna bingey because it makes me feel better in the moment. Mm-hmm. And guess what that does? It puts you on a negative momentum cycle. And then all of a sudden, three months from now, you're t- you're 30 pounds heavier than even the situation you were in. And now you're going, oh man, my life's even worse, man. And you're just you're even in more of a negative state. So what are you doing? You're taking a negative situation that you couldn't control and you're compounding it with your own negative decision making so you're making it even worse and that's where it comes mm-hmm. down to even if you can't control it you still can control the meaning of it and how you adjust to it wow that is so and true. so that, that was big for me is like all right i'm just going to use this as a as a
1: impactful moment and that, that was the the meaning i gave that torn knee. Man, (laughs) I I, I really I really smell some nuggets over here coming from your way. And I'm really (laughs) thankful for this. And I actually want to take the opportunity right now. Because I mean, we're already like an hour and 11 minutes in the episode. But Mm -hmm. of course, you're going to find everything about David, David, uh, in the subscriptions down below, we're going to link it on our Instagram. But David, this is your time. um, Because we want to come from your past to your present and focusing on the future. So yes. why don't you quickly give people a little hint where they can find you, maybe tag yourself or leave yourself like uh, your tag web under which name people can find you and on the social media platforms and as well the name of your book, because obviously we're gonna link that as well to our episode. So why don't you show people where they can get in contact with the David Roden. Plug it out, can- baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Yeah, um, so all my social medias are
0: fit so at fit f-i-t underscore d rock d-r-o-c-k that's my my instagram um everything um i, I remember than,
1: i remember bro you you back in mexico you wanted to be your idol is the rock right
0: yep it was for uh, dwayne johnson baby he's, he's an idol he still is i will i'm telling you right now he will be my show it is it is inevitability i don't know mm. if it's going to take mm. six months or six years he will be on my show <sighs> Man, and, uh, um, no, no, <laughs> <have good> <laughs> and so, so fit D rock is on my social medias. Um, when it comes to doing for the future, I actually, cause I'm actually, this is my, this is my bigger thing. I, I don't like, I, I, I it's not that I don't like it. It's just, just like what you're saying. When people get to put on these pedestals, they, there's a disconnect at certain points. And so, and I I have a relatively low ego where it's like, I don't want to always be the center of attention. It's not about my story. It's about getting people to live a more accountable life. It's about getting people to get what they actually want, but it's Mm. not about me. And so I had this disconnect for forever, which was like, I want to build a company, but I don't want it to be about me. Mm -hmm. And so I sat on it for a while um, and about six months ago when I was building up my podcast for my book, which pivoted into my, uh, the company I'm building now, um,
1: I partnered well, with a buddy of mine, John, what, what's, what's the, what's the name of the book? The book is called drop the baggage, drop the baggage. And you can find it on Amazon, right? Find it on Amazon. It find is on, it on Amazon, Amazon. So
0: David wrote, and it's actually kind of crazy. At least in America, when you Google drop the baggage I'm the top of Google
1: right now, it's kind of cool. <sighs> man let's let's try to get you on the top of google as well here in europe because i think people love what you have to share sorry you were you were telling me oh you're good
0: yeah and so i partnered with a buddy of mine john arpino who also has a phenomenal weight loss story and he did it very different than me which is great Mm. um he's lost 270 pounds which is like 160 yeah yeah yeah, massive massive kilos. (sighs) Um, and him and I came together. We're both very low. He, he had, he had surgery, a part of his protocol to lose the weight. I didn't. Um, but again, I don't care. This this is the whole thing of like success. success. There's not one size fits all program to get success. Mm-hmm. I just want to get to results. Mm-hmm. I just want to get someone to go from A to B. That's it. There's a lot of ways to get someone from A to B. Like, But let's just get them to ADB. It's like you can get into nutrition, vegan versus vegetarian versus keto versus There's macro. A th- There's-, There's a lot of programs that work. I'm not going to sit here and – I get so annoyed by these egotistical people that go, if you're not vegan, no, 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 no. If you're not vegetarian, no, 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 no. Just shut it. Like <laughs> if it works for you, fantastic. But like th- you get into these altruistic people that – somehow if you go vegan, you're going to live to 180. It's like, sorry, boys and girls, it's not going to (laughs) happen. So it's like, now we, we need to live a healthy and happy life. I agree. And there's a great dynamic to that, but it's like, if you, if you're, it's, it's like the new one, the carnivore diet, AKA it's keto, basically. Only Um, only meat. (laughs) You eat only meat. It's like, I get very put off by these altruistic, like ideological, nutrition plans yeah, um yeah. but going with it it's like john and i both had this low ego of like we want to build something special for obesity transformations for for teaching people accountability but we don't want to be the center of attention so we came together to build a company called accountable life group mm-hmm. alg for short um and it's starting off with a podcast we're building a community on discord helping people live just as, as an accountable life physically and mentally to start and then, as we become the iconic obesity and like l- emotion transformation company, I want to scale it into all six areas of life. So, physical life, mental life, spiritual life, relationship life, community life, and money life mm-hmm. as we kind of scale
1: it. So, beautiful. Man that that sounds beautiful and honestly I'm I'm definitely going to check it out I'll guess I'll become a part of your community too man cuz I really love what you're doing and I really honestly I would love to meet your buddy to get him on a podcast 100%. because I I love cuz we kind of want to with our podcasts, reach what you have re- what you want to reach with your company we want to mm-hmm. diversify in each area cuz we don't when, when we when we actually created this podcast it was quite funny like the story of how we created this podcast was super funny cuz literally we met at my place we had no idea that we we're gonna create a podcast together Felix and myself and within 24 hours we came up with a name we created a logo we recorded two episodes we wrote a description and we were, were already on iTunes you know what I mean like just out of nowhere. That's, that's the way super 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 dope just to do it um but when we started off we were thinking too okay how can we not not about how can we make the most money because money is always a side product of you mm-hmm. putting your passion impact your purpose in the same line and um we were thinking about okay but Should we then, we have to focus on one niche. We have to focus on one niche. Yeah, like what about business, entrepreneurship? What about investment? But we don't know anything about investment. What about health? We don't know enough about it. You know, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, man? We're actually going to focus it on one thing. And that one thing is called life. Mm-hmm. because life has so many different facets and that's it's a niche and that's
0: a, and that, and that, and that's the whole thing too it's 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 interesting like everyone has their two cents i mean you got your you got your like your russell brunson that's like hyper focus a super mm-hmm. niche and play that mm-hmm. game um and then you got all types of people that have like their kind of position on i understand the i understand the validity of hyper focusing a niche because one of the big things it does is that it, it it controls your competition mm-hmm. it's like one of the biggest things it does it's like All right. Well, when it comes to weight loss, there are a massive amount of gurus on social media that are doing weight loss. Mm -hmm. When it comes to obesity transformations, that's a very small group. And so you own that niche. It it even comes back like Tony Robbins, though, because Tony Robbins, how he obviously he's in every every avenue now. He's not just about about, he's financial, he's physical, he's emotional. He's pretty much in all areas of life. But how did he start? He started. He was the phobia guy. Mm. He he got into big. He got he got into phobias, and he was big into neuro linguistic programming back in the eighties, and that's how he started. He, he he it was actually kind of savage. He used to have these uh, these TV commercials where he would basically call out psychiatrists, and like they didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but it yeah, and so but he was the phobia guy. He learned neuro linguistic associations. He learned how to take someone's phobia and make it disappear in an hour. And it's like, that's his, that was, he hammered that and mm-hmm. he owned it. And then as soon as he owned that, he became a quote unquote expert in the area. Then he scaled outside of it. Of and so it, it, it is interesting on, on just a business perspective of things. Cause there's so many people that are just the life people. Mm-hmm. I understand where it's like, all right, well, there's a lot of people in that lane. So what makes you stand out? What makes you different? What makes, and it's, but, but it's like a Gary Vee. It's like Gary Vee is just Gary Vee. He doesn't. He says stuff. He doesn't he really brand it himself. He just kind of, he says it what's on his mind and he built a brand just around out. just saying
1: what's on his mind. Exactly. He just <laughs> it out. And that's, that's the unique about him. But this is the beautiful thing that everybody tends to forget. Every single one of us is unique. me mm-hmm. someone that is not unique in his story and his path and his abilities and his way of thinking. Everyone is unique. So this 100%. is why everyone can somehow scale in their niche. It's not about what do you have, what the other people don't have. It's like, I have a shit ton of things that other people don't have. Let me just put it out on a platform. Yep. Share. Felix as well. Felix has some amazing value. Like we, we, we both we both cross very, very nicely when it comes to podcasting. Because I said from the beginning onwards, my personal take is like, exactly this kind of stuff. Life coaching, going into psychology, into the problems, into phobias, into changing people's mindset, their life, their emotions, how to control them, being more the value added guy. And he's like, man, I love entertainment. I love Logan Paul. I love impulsive. You know, that's like my favorite podcast out there. So I'm, I want to bring entertainment into it. And this is why we always combined very nicely in a way 100%. where, where people just take their bit from, you know, and I think this, this is where at, at, at this point, I think time-wise as well, we have to narrow down a little bit to, the last couple of, or the last set of questions. And yes. then we always finish up with our final three. Final three to quickly tell you a little bit about it. We always do with every single guest because it's quite interesting. We have um, three questions that we fire out quite fast and we expect you to fire them back with an answer in a very short manner. Okay, cool. so that's it's usually very random, uh, depends as well on the, on the person that is sitting in front of us and the story. But one thing that, or one topic that I wanna tap into or um, actually, from your side, I want I want to have your take on this a little bit more because now looking at the past, I mean, we looked at your last twenty-eight years, we looked at you know the last three years, we looked at the last year. But to be very honest with you, there has not never been a, a year like twenty-twenty in the history books. There has yeah. never been a year like twenty-twenty in the history books. Where literally every single this has been a unique one. <laughs> every single month has been a blockbuster. Like every it started with Kobe. You started, new it started with Kobe. In infinity war coming out you know what i mean <laughs> it's Truth. like every single month there's something new coming up COVID, um literally all of the stuff that is happening the lockdown the depression crisis identity crisis now the black Lives matters protest now like new stuff coming up um and it's so interesting because we've never been in the entire history locked down because of a virus you know we've mm-hmm. never really been locked down in that manner because of a virus in our times. So my question now to you is that because of the big trends that everybody's working from home, home office is the new thing, and people kind of have to get used to being in their own four walls or kind of being detained in their own four walls uh, without being able to leave. Um, there is a big trend that was coming up over the last couple of months where a lot of people turned into, you know, those um, freshly graduated fitness coaches or yep. freshly graduated, you um, home exercise trainers where it literally seems like, uh, no offense to everyone who's doing it out there, but at a certain point, it just looks like the new year's resolution people. You know, is it like they use the trend and the moment it's over, they go back to the normal life without putting more value out there. Um, Now looking at someone like you who has a story, who even before COVID has been doing a lot. And now looking at this crisis, what do you think is really the way for people or a couple of tips or your personal intake on how people can really change something throughout the uh, covid times on being in lockdown being in their own four walls because it's not all about the fitness but now looking maybe at the fitness first and then at everything else how can people really benefit from this because you don't need a gym oh, 100% so so first and foremost when it comes to a health perspective
0: um, what is the breakdown of a general well well functioning body. Um, I would say it is 70% nutrition, 20% physical fitness, and five to ten percent supplementation. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of like you can you can say five to ten percent and then twenty to twenty five percent, but seventy percent of, of your bo- of your the, the performance of your body is, is through nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so the the educational platform I'll say on this is like when i break down nutrition to anybody cuz i don't believe in a one size fits all i believe in like there's 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 hierarchies of importance there are but like the exact numbers it's like we're so physi- we have some very genetic physiological differences that this idea of everyone should be the same is just ridiculous mm-hmm. some people have can't have gluten. Some people can. Some people have this. Some people so like this idea of one side it just shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So I break down nutrition, which is seventy percent of the effectiveness of a body. Um, number one is hydration. Drink a gallon of water a day, which for you is one hundred and twenty-four ounces. One hundred and twenty-four ounces. Yeah, which... you know, we 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 still don't
1: have ounces. So oh, you don't have ounces. No, liters, liters. Deciliters, liters. <laughs>
0: is that like two liters? Or no, no, it's, it's four, two, two, two liters on two, on, on average liters. on average
1: we say between 2 and 4 liters
0: yeah we're going to save towards 4 we're going to we're going to say for all your Europeans 4 <laughs> liters um which whatever gallon is it's the, the science so anyway. do yeah. it it's simple cuz the one thing that's nice about the hydration part is number one it's easy which is did you drink the amount of water you're supposed to or didn't you there's there's not a lot of questions or guessing it's either you did or you didn't Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to just the, the science behind it, it's just, it's just simple. It just, it is the most essential thing for the body. And when you don't have enough of it, when you're in a chronic state of dehydration, you have like, for example, the brain can't tell the difference or has a very hard time telling the difference between deep being dehydrated and being hungry. And so oftentimes when you're actually hungry, you're dehydrated and your, your brain just wants you to put stuff in your mouth because it's thirsty. It just, thinks it, it just puts off hunger because of it. So that's number one. Number two, it is calories. Calories is the second most important thing. Like for example, I don't care how low you are carb-wise on keto. If you're eating 10,000 calories a day of bacon and cream cheese, I'm sorry, you're not losing weight. You could have all the ketones in the world. You're not losing weight and you're not going to live in a healthy body that way. So calories is the second most important thing you have to track the amount of general calories you're taking in on a day day- to day basis the, the, other, the other way to, about it with that is like you can I don't care how much money you make if you outspend the amount of, you can make a million dollars but you sell a mil- if you spend a million five you're 500 grand in debt same thing with nutrition if you you can burn 2,000 calories in the gym but if you go to and eat two large pizzas and eat 4 thousand calories guess what you two thousand calorie surplus. There's just no way around it. Makes sense. But then you have these naive people that just say it's calories and you're just full of crap. There are different still things involved than just calories. It's not just a singular bucket. The way I there's like two there's a one part and a two part system of the way people explain it. But like in the nutshell, then this is the next part, which comes into macros, your your protein, your carbs, and your fats. The only thing I go into here is focus on a higher protein diet. Why? Very simply, you go you go to a movie. And you get a large movie popcorn, at least an American movie popcorn. This sucker is big.
1: And <laughs> I think we don't even um, have those sizes over here in Europe. What, I think what oh, we, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure. is for you guys like medium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And um, and so, like a large
0: popcorn is like 1,200 calories and wow. it's like carbs and maybe a little bit of fat. I don't know about you, but I could get that whole bag and still be hungry. Why? Because carbs just move in the body so quickly, they metabolize out, and, and you get hungry again. But if you were to eat 1,200 calories and baked chicken, that's like nine chicken breasts. Try eating nine chicken breasts. You literally f- just like tear apart because it it, it just it the it body the body takes so much time to metabolize it. It makes you feel fuller longer. And contrary to popular belief, I mean, protein is still the most essential avenue of nutrition in the body because everything can be made into carbs for energy, but only protein can be used for a lot of essential things in the body. Mm-hmm. Protein, I'm sorry, is the most essential thing. Because fats can be used for energy, carbs can be used for energy, protein can be used for energy, but protein can only do certain things that carbs can't do. It's just the reality. Um, and so that's another thing. Next thing is macros. Then micros, this is where you get into getting your fruits and vegetables in, getting out of a, a, a vitamins. So your your endocrine system and different stuff is working at its optimal level. And then finally, timing over eating. So if you're a t- type 2 diabetic, if you have other issues at play, Doing extended fasting, intermittent fasting. This can help with different variables in the body as well. Um, that that's like my breakdown of how I explain mm-hmm. nutrition and, and generally how your nutrition should work. Um, when it comes to the the guru system of the fitness routines, it's so funny to me because number one, f- the fitness gym side of things is just like I just like I was saying, it's so overly portrayed. Because the reality is. What is the intent of fitness? What is the intent of these workout routines? It's primarily to burn calories so you can burn fat. And then secondary is to break down muscle tissue to the point that it's forced to grow and adapt. That's it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do that through an at-home workout or you do that through strength training or you do that through uh, P90X, you do that through calisthenics, you do that through – it doesn't matter. It It isn't whatever routine you enjoy. Like for me, I enjoy the classic strength training system. That that's what I enjoy. Some people like that high intensity, uh, like your your uh, your Crossfitties kind of kind of vibe. Cool, great, do it.
1: Everyone but has their own take. Yeah,
0: everyone has their own take. But this idea that one's better than the other, you're full of crap. Yeah, you're just you're full of crap. Like they, people go in this whole. Well, High intensity has an afterburn associated to it. It's like that is true. When you, when you do a higher intensity workout, there is a metabolic boost on the back end, but that metabolic boost is only five to ten percent. And the issue is, say, a lot of people that do high intensity, they go half the time or a third of the, of the time of the total calorie burn. So say they they run hills for ten minutes and they burn hundred calories. Okay, and they get an afterburn of ten percent, so they burn one hundred and ten. Or you can go on a walk for an hour and burn 200 calories. So who actually did more production? The person who walked for an hour and burned 200 calories. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's not like it depends on who the person is and how things go. Um, and so trying to go and then finally supplementation, creatine, different things can affect things as well. But again, it's 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 marginal compared to, to the rest. To the
1: end of the day, there is no one fit,
0: one size fits exactly. all. Exactly. It's um, yeah. Exactly, and then just like the idea of the guruship, I I think it's it's important to know of like I talk about it at the beginning, listen to people who have what you want and have been where you're at. Mm. It, is, it is a foundational principle that will that will never that extremely rarely will will be proven wrong. Mm. What what we get into is these genetic specimens that have six pack abs. They've always had six pack abs. They can eat like crap and still have six pack abs. My roommate was one of them. He ate like crap, but he was a marathon runner, and he did long distance, and he had great genetics, and guess what? He, he always had abs. If I ate like him, even if I worked out like him, I, there's not a chance. There's just not a chance I could do that. Mm-hmm. It's like there are genetics at play, and so someone who's always been fit may not know everything that's needed for someone who's 150 pounds overweight.
1: That's mm-hmm. just a reality. Like There's certain things that are just missing. True, and this this is why, guys out there, I want to say it again: go follow at on Instagram at d underscore no, a uh, fit, fit underscore d rock, mm-hmm. and follow his journey. Um, I appreciate because, it because honestly, uh, again coming back to the relatable part, people can follow you and see you on your journey as you're still developing into that the rock figure. That mm-hmm. at some point, I remember, I remember in Mexico, you told me five years from now. Mm-hmm. Five years from now, you're gonna be the rock, and that was back in 2017. So you have another two yep. years, my man, to Yeet. bring out the Yeet. biceps, man. Oh, we're, we're working on them here. We're, we're working on them. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. No, honestly, man, I I think it has been such a blast over the last it's been one fun. and a half hours. We had so much fun. Um, I kind of want to slowly transition into the final three because I think there yes. is so much value that people, I need, I, even I need to re-listen to those one and a half hours over and over because I learned something from it. And I'm in the same space as you where I'm trying to read every single day, connect with people that have what I want, read here, listen to some other podcasts there. Um, but still, I'm always a student. And today, mm-hmm. honestly, you taught me quite a, some cool things that made me realize some things about my life right now as well. So honestly, thank you for that. And I think moving forward, my first question, and actually you, you kind of, um, spoke about it a little bit already. My first question of the final three is going to be, who are your top three motivations or inspirations that you follow?
0: Top three, I would say would be Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. I would say Dwayne Johnson and third would be Jesus. Ooh, okay. actually kind of put, put Jesus number one, and then we'll go, <laughs> we'll go Jesus one, D- Tony Robbins two, and then
1: Dwayne Johnson three. But but no worries. He didn't hear it. You, that you, I know. Sorry, post. sorry, Jesus. I got to switch the order. Second, bet. second question. Second question. What is your most embarrassing moment that you can remember from your past? most embarrassing moment because I, I i just recall we had we had daniel talking about how he wanted to ask a girl out for prom night and kind of like um sneezed and there was some like snore coming on her, <laughs> coming on her you know that was like an embarrassing moment already but maybe you can top that gosh i, I i've had quite a few
0: I'll, I'll be honest a lot of my most embarrassing moments come with women involved it's it's been my out of my six areas of life relationships are the 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 lower end of not not necessarily because, um, it, it was the weakest of the of the honestly the six I would say even more than physical just because value systems and it's again it's perfection's a myth progress is the goal mm-hmm. um, and I've come a long way but I mean but it was it was a big thing for me and so I would say one of the biggest ones um, is just I would say I was at. Uh, steak and shake. This this is me at. I was at, I think I was at four hundred pounds. Um, I was at steak and shake, and I was just I was flirting with the waitress, and I thought things were going really well. And we were talking back and forth. Even the guys were like, "David's got game right now." And I'm like, <laughs> "This was it was going great." And I was like, "I was in good state and good feeling." And I asked for her number, and she gave it to me. And then when I called her later, it was a fake number. And the guy said, Oh, you're the fat loser that blah, 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 blah. That ruined me. Oh, wow. But And like, I still have the number in my phone as it's called don't talk. <laughs> so occasionally when I'm going through my phone, I'll see don't talk. And I remember it. Uh, it was, oh, it was wow. pretty, pretty mad. Don't do that with us men. <laughs> <Please>. Oh, 100 <100% laughs> percent brutal. Just say no. Just say sorry, I'm not like yeah, like fake numbers, that's savage. It's so passive aggressive. Passive aggressiveness drives me nuts. It's like and it's 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 interesting too, because that whole side of things, yeah. It's I would say that's one of the more embarrassing, like most people don't know that story, but that mm-hmm. really hit me hard emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and most most of my most of my most embarrassing moments come with
1: Somehow women involved, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair enough. Everyone has his own things. So. Yep. Some, some, sometimes you, you sneeze and you have snore and other people... Schmeckle. Schmeckle, little schmeckle. True, he called it schmeckle too. I don't even know what <laughs> we call it in Europe. I think snore. Popel in German. I don't know. Schmeckle. <laughs> he <laughs> called it schmeckle. I love it. Oh, um, schmeckle. Everyone has his own things, I guess. I mean, uh, mm. at, at, at some point when I'm going to be interviewed for my podcast or for another podcast i am i'm glad to answer that question too what my most embarrassing moment was but not for today's episode um number three number three this is actually one of my favorite questions and we kind of not always but most of the time in interviews we always bring it up um imagine right now that you would be stranded on a lonely island like you would be dropped right now on a lonely island there is no connection there is no electricity because a lot of guys they already said like yeah i can bring my phone so i can charge it bro you're on a stranded island there's no electricity what would be that one object that you would take with you and why one thing of course you would have your clothes on you would not look like Robinson Crusoe cruiser with just like a palm leaf around your wiener but like what what is that one thing holy moly is it
0: is it inanimate is it inanimate object or is it animate object Whatever, whatever you want. Meaning, can it be, Is it alive, or is it only like an like a like whatever you want, whatever you want, and why? That's important. then. I would say, gosh, I also wouldn't want to take someone out on this island with me to make them suffer with me. So it's like I would say, I would say, like bring someone I loved and enjoyed to be like to talk to because I'm a big communicator. So I would suck. But at the same time, like, well, I just pulled them out in this island with me, they're they're probably going to die on with me. So that's kind of savage. Uh-huh. Um, so I would probably say, on a logical standpoint, I would say one of the because uh, water is going to be the most important thing. So I would get one of those. Um, I would have the straw that you can use to make anything purified. Man, you're such a. <laughs> yeah. So a I'd, 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 wow. Yep. Cause I, cause obviously if you're in the ocean or wherever your water source is, it's probably been contaminated.
1: So I'm I'm going to have one on straws. Let, let me tell you, no one has given such a pragmatic, <laughs> <laughs> pragmatic answer <laughs> for everyone. It was like my camera, a knife, uh, the Bible, Luke actually said Bible. Well, I was like, okay. I, I understand that. I understand that. But with like the moist weather and like the salty water around, I don't know how long that Bible will survive. How it last. Yeah. Yeah. But, but honestly, everyone has their own thing, but I think you're the first one that says, um. A practical, a straw, so I can filter water. And I can have water coming back to your, you know, sipping out of the ocean like four liters a day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is that's scary. That is scary. that. that <laughs> that'd be, that'd be where I go, <laughs> David. Honestly, it was such a fun time with you on this on this episode of the What the Passion podcast, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time again because I know you're super busy and you have a lot of projects coming up. Um, obviously, your company company community that you're building, which I would love to be part of as well, which I would love to get to know, and you know all the, the What the Passion listeners, I want them to have a look at it too because honestly, sharing is caring, and it's not about 100%. it's not about one thing works, the other thing is not as good. It's about you know we want to create one universal school of life. And, and yeah. is all about sharing. So thank you so much for taking the time. You know, guys, really check out his book. Because honestly, if you like the last one and a half hours, first of all, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Because we're going to bring way more really cool guests on this. And it's, it's all about sharing the passion and finding out what drives someone to create a lifestyle worth living. So if you have, if you're not a, what the passion, you fa, what what the passion family member, it's been a one and a half hours talking right now, huh? What the passion family member, make sure you subscribe, you follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube. And honestly, guys, it was a pleasure. And with this being said, David, any last words from your side? Uh, I'm
0: just grateful to be here. I hope I could uh, impact some people on some tangible, bite size. Uh, information that can actually make some good benefit in their future so i'm looking forward to the future of
1: this man super cool thank you so much and we always end the episode with a typical peace out guys you can give it a peace out too peace out peace out out, brother